Just picking up right where we left off, Judges, chapter 2. We, we kind of left off with just a couple of verses here in chapter 2 that we got, that we got left. Judges, chapter 2. We'll start in verse 22. What we've seen to this point of Judges is for the most part, uh, the Israelites have not been obedient to what God had told them to do. Uh, the generation that, that the young generation that came out of the wilderness into the promised land uh, was faithful to Joshua and to the Lord while Joshua was still living. He was a good leader, uh, but the scriptures tell us that when Joshua died, that the next generation that came along uh, started to turn away from the Lord. They began to uh, be disobedient, to not listen to his commands uh, as far as driving out the people who were in the land to destroy the ones that they came across. Uh, they began to live among them. They began to take them as their slaves. They began to intermarry with them. And as a result, God said, look, I told you if you would remain faithful to me and keep my covenant that I made with you, then all would be well. I would go with you. I would bless you. I would give you everything that I told you. I would drive out your enemies. But God said, because you have turned from me and have not kept your end of the deal, since you have turned away from me, then I'm not going to protect you against your enemies. I'm going to allow those who are in the land to overtake you. And so uh, this starts this cycle that we're going to see throughout the book of Judges. Uh, that the people are going to uh, sin, they're going to be oppressed by the people in the land. Uh, God is going to send a judge to deliver them. They'll be delivered. They'll walk faithfully with the Lord for just a little while, and then the cycle repeats, repeats, repeats. And so we've kind of got this introduction in the first couple of chapters here that we looked at, and we already see how bad off that the people are. Uh, we see that the sin is already there, uh, and we see that the inhabitants of the land that, that are left there, instead of driving them out the way that the Lord said, they have begun to, uh, to, to intermingle and intermarry with these people that God told them to destroy, to drive out of the land. And so that's kind of what we've seen here in these first couple of chapters. And uh, we had a little bit of a repeat. It, it kind of starts out, it talks about Joshua's death, and after Joshua's death, the things that occurred. And then again, we see the same thing in chapter 2, kind of a, a repeat, kind of going back, telling us some of the th same things that we actually saw in the book of Joshua, kind of repeated again here uh, in the last few verses that we read in Judges chapter 2. And so uh, tonight we're going to close out this, this, this kind of introductory section to the book, if we can call it that, uh, and we'll go through uh, chapter 3, verse 6, and then from that point on, starting next week, Lord willing, uh, we will begin to, to look at uh, some of the judges and, and move our way through the rest of the book. So these first chapters are a good introduction to tell us the condition and, and, and the, 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 what's going on with the, the people of Israel and God and what's taking place. And so we've got a good introduction to that over the last few weeks. So we'll pray and then we will read the text. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for uh, the opportunity to preach and teach, and I pray that you would help me to preach your word. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and open our ears to hear what you have to say to us, dear Lord, and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that these words of yours are the words that we're going to hear, dear Lord. If nobody hears a word I say, God, I pray that they would look at your word, their, their self, that they would hear as I read your word, dear Lord, and that the Holy Spirit would work through them through that, God. And so I pray that you just uh, give us a good night and let this word speak to our life and help us to examine ourselves and make sure we're living for you the way we should, dear Lord, and trusting you the way we should. 
And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 2, verse 22. Well, let's read verse uh, 21 just for, just for a little bit of context to where we left off last week. Well, let's go back to 20. If we're going back to 21, let's just go back one more to 20. All right. Judges chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and He declared, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their fathers and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel and to see whether they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their fathers had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. Now, we are introduced to something here, this idea that God tested them, which may for some be kind of troubling that God would test people. Now, uh, there is a passage in James, if you want to turn there, you can, uh, James chapter uh, 1, verse 13. If not, you can just listen, but if you want to turn there, that's where I'll, that's where I'll be. In ja- uh, James chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, No one going under a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, for God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Verse 14, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So there is no temptation that comes from the Lord, at least not a temptation in the way that He tempts us to do sinful, evil things. Uh, That temptation comes when we are enticed by our own desires, James would say. Now, as long as we are walking in obedience and faithful to the Lord, when those things that that are sinful come, come before us, we, we won't pay him any attention if we are living in, in obedience to the Lord, if we are following him, if we are faithful to him. Those sinful things aren't even going to entice us in the least. But once that thing that we see does entice us, that is, if we are not fully committed to the Lord and we are enticed by those things, once we begin to drift away from the Lord, as soon as that happens, then that temptation begins to work on us. Now, as long as we stay faithful to the Lord, uh, we can avoid that type of temptation. We can flee from it. It won't really affect us too much. We can trust in the Lord and have faith in the Lord. And James is right. The Lord doesn't tempt us, I don't believe, in that way uh, by, by, by trying to, to make us fail. But the Lord does test us. We see that that's clear in Scripture. Now, this may seem like a contradiction to what James is saying here. Because in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, depending on your translation, uh, it, it, it probably has the word tempted there, that, that Abraham uh, was tempted by God to offer his son Isaac. You can turn there if you would like to. Uh, my translation, I believe, says test or, or trial, uh, but most of your translation is probably going to use the word tempted there. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested or tempted Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, who you love, to go to the, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So it may seem as if those two verses contradict each other. That is that James says God does not tempt us, 
But here it says pretty clearly that God does test or God does tempt his people. Now we see the idea of God testing his people pretty frequently through the scripture. Now, God does not tempt us in the same way that the devil would tempt us, but God does allow his people to go through trials, to go through tests. And that test shows whether or not we are faithful to him. Now, here the Lord left some of the people in the land. The people, his people, the Israelites, were disobedient to him. He left some of the foreigners in the land, and it was to test this new younger generation to see if they were going to do what was right, to see if they were going to turn from their ways. Now, just because God allows us to be tested doesn't mean that he's predetermined whether or not we are going to pass or fail the test. The test does not determine your character, who you are, what's in your heart. The test doesn't make your heart what it is. The test only shows what your heart already is. The same would be true if we looked at that in a, in a strictly worldly illustration. Now, if I were to give you guys a test tonight on, let's say, any subject you could, you could think about, uh, some of you may fail the test and some of you may pass the test, depending on what the subject was about. Now, the test doesn't, doesn't make you any dumber because you fail the test. It just simply shows that you do not know about that subject. Let's say, for instance, if I were to give a test about stringed instruments or to give a test about fishing or to give a test about technology or to give a test about sewing or to give a test about law work or to give a test about uh, the scriptures, some of us may do good in some of those tests, but we may fail others' tests. Now, the test itself doesn't determine uh, what kind of person we are or what kind of knowledge we have. The test only shows what is already there. Now, God allows us as Christians to go through tests sometimes. We see that in Scripture. He allows those who are is sometimes to be tested. And that test reveals what's really in our heart. Now, sometimes we pass the test. Sometimes there are things that come, come in our life. Sometimes there are temptations, there are trials, there are struggles, there are sufferings. And sometimes in those things, we have self-control. In that situation where it may be easy for us to get angry, or well, we don't fail the test. We pass the test. We could get angry, but by the grace of God, by, by the Holy Spirit within us, we have self-control and we pass the test. There are many different things that we may encounter during a day that may be testing us, and sometimes we pass the test and sometimes we fail the test. Now, when we do fail the test, it's important for us to realize that we fail the test. Now, when we fail the test, it helps us to realize that we are not where we need to be, especially if we're a Christian. If you're, if you're not a Christian, you may not realize that, but as a Christian, if you studied the scriptures and you've studied about Jesus Christ and you know what God's word said, at least to some extent, when we sin, usually we realize that, and we know we're not where we sp are supposed to be. Sometimes when we fail the tests that come in our life, it leads to very difficult circumstances, some painful circumstances, some things that we're ashamed of and are guilty of. But even those things sometimes are what it takes for us to trust the Lord. It takes those things to come so that we realize our sinfulness, so that we say, God, Look, I failed the test. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have said that thing. I shouldn't have done that thing. I shouldn't have looked at that thing. Whatever it may be that we uh, are tested in and the ways that we fail, when we fail the test, we need to realize it. Now, the problem with the Israelites 
that we see in Judges is they continually fail the test and they never really seem to truly repent. They realized it because they were in a hard time, but they didn't realize it to the point that it changed their heart. Now, we can change our actions for a little while if we're sinning and, and doing the wrong thing, but what God really wants is to change our heart. If we change our actions, that'll, that'll keep us out of sin for a little while, but eventually we will go back if we have not turned from our sin and turn to the Lord. Now, what we want is not just to turn from our sins. When we fail the test, say, okay, I sinned. But when we fail the test, say, God, I sinned. I'm going to turn to you. And when we begin to seek the Lord and seek God's word, then he can begin to change our heart. And then the test was effective. That's what we have tests for in school. It shows what we have learned. And in God puts tests in our life. It shows what we have learned. Have we grown spiritually? Have we grown in maturity in the Lord? Now, there are things that maybe as an immature Christian or a young Christian that we might fail at, things that we may not be aware of, things that we may not understand about God's work. But there may be things that if you've been a Christian for years, that as you grow in the Lord, uh, there may be tests now that you would have failed 10 years ago that you may pass now because God has, 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 has refined you through these trials and these fires that he's put you through. Now, it says here in the text that he test, left these people here to test the Israelites to see if they were going to follow in the paths of their fathers, if they were going to be obedient to him or if they were going to be like the generation in the wilderness that didn't, that didn't follow him and wasn't obedient to him. And sadly, what we see here is that they are going to fail the test repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Now, we don't want to be those who fail the test. Instead, we want to be those who check ourselves, who say, God, all right, I want you to help me. I don't want to fail the test. I don't want to fail that test that having a good day, everything's going good, and all of a sudden I get a call from AT&T, and they're charging me $100 more than I owe, and all of a sudden I get angry. Like that test, I fail more times than not, and I'm tired of failing that test, so I'm really praying that God will help me to be patient with AT&T. That's a test I, I'm tired of failing. I don't want to fail the test anymore. I don't want to go to summer school. I want to pass the test, and I want to I move on to the next grade. Now, that's one test that I have, and you could probably all come up with some test that maybe is that one thing that you've been failing, or maybe there's a list of them. But God brings these things in your life, and we can either give in to them and continue to sin, or we can use them as opportunities to be built up to say, Lord, I'm going to pray for you, for, for you to, 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 to give me the strength and the self-control so that I won't do X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be. And through these tests, if, if we are really seeking the Lord and we are really His, it doesn't tear us down. It builds us up. Because when we fail... We shouldn't give up. We should look up to the Lord and say, all right, Lord. And every time we do that, every time God chastens or disciplines those that he loves, it should draw us closer to him. And if we really are seeking him and are faithful to him and are obedient to him, then it will draw us closer to him. If we're not really seeking him and we don't really love him, if we continue to sin, then we'll probably just continue to sin all the more. And that's not what God wanted for his people here and that's not what he wants for us. In Psalm 26, verse 2, David said, Test me, Lord, and try me. 
examine my heart and my mind. Now, that's a good prayer. Now, we got to be careful when we pray a prayer like that because God may reveal things in our life that, that, that ain't there, things that might kind of burn, things that may cut. But David said, look, Lord, test me and try me. David was saying, look, I want to be obedient to you. I want to walk close to you. But I know there are things in my life that are holding me back, things that I'm sinning, ways that I'm sinning, maybe things that we are aware of and maybe things that we aren't aware of. And this may be a good prayer for us to pray. Say, God, look at my heart. Help me to see my heart. God, show me things that I don't see. But be careful when we pray that prayer because we may see things we don't like. But if we do, then praise the Lord. It's for our own good. God brings those things to the surface so we can deal with those things. We can give them to Jesus Christ. They'll be nailed to the cross. And God, uh, with the Holy Spirit that lives in us, will give us the strength and help us to grow to where we won't uh, keep giving in to that sin and living in that, in that lifestyle anymore. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now, God did it to his people then, and I believe that God probably still does it now. I believe he does it in my life, that there are things, there are wilderness experiences, if we can call them that, that God wants to see. Are we really his? Now, there are some people, uh, Jesus gives the parable about the different types of seed that are on the soil, and some of them kind of grow a little bit. Some don't grow at all. The birds come get them, but some grow and the thorns choke them out, but some take root and some are grown. Now, that's the way it is when God tests us. There are some that when the, the slightest test comes, they completely abandon the Lord. Well, maybe they didn't ever really follow him to start with, or maybe they did. There are some that maybe are a little more rooted, uh, but not quite enough that they're willing to hold on. And some a little more so, but then all the things of the world come and choke them in. But we don't want to be those in that first three uh, groups that were talked about by Jesus. We want to be those who are firmly planted. So when those tests come, let us pray that God would give us the ability to pass the test. He's already given us all the answers to the test, praise the Lord. Jesus is the answer to the test. If we want to pass the test, we trust in Jesus. We, we trust in what he's done. We trust in his victory. We put our hope in him. That's how we pass the test, by building our foundation on Jesus Christ. He is the answer. Now, while he is the answer, putting Jesus as the answer in your Bible class at high school, however, will not give you an automatic point. Uh, sadly, that's not the case. When we took Bible class, if you didn't know the answer, it was popular just to put Jesus in there, but the Bible teacher didn't give us credit for that. But in real life, in our real situations, Jesus is the answer to our problems and our situations that we experience. Now, James talks before that verse we looked at in, in verse 13 of chapter 1 of James. He talks more about trials. If you want to turn back there, you can. If not, you can just listen uh, carefully. James, at the beginning of the of the passage there. There it is. All right, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 say, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, 
James gives us some good instructions here. He says, look, rejoice when you go through these things. Consider it joy because this testing that you're going through is going to produce endurance in your life. He says uh, later on in verse 12, he said, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So we want to be those that James is talking about. We want to be those who pass the test. We don't want to fail the test. We fail the test if we put our faith and our trust in things of the world, or we turn to other gods, or we turn to other things for our salvation and deliverance, when there is nothing else we can turn to apart from Jesus Christ. If we trust in the Lord, even in our, in our most difficult trials, in our most hard seasons of our life, if we trust in the Lord, we will be blessed. And we need to consider it joy because those trials are what calls us, if we really trust in the Lord, to trust Him all the more. Now, it may not always be easy, and there may indeed be trials in our life that we have not trusted the Lord in the way that we should. But I believe that more times than not, those who are really seeking the Lord, a trial does draw them closer to God because we know that there's nowhere else we can turn apart from the Lord Himself. All right, back to Judges chapter 2. Now, chapter 3, we just finished chapter 2. Chapter 3, verse 1. These are the nations the Lord left in order to test Israel. Since the Israelites had fought none, none of these in any of the wars with Canaan, this was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all of the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal Hermon as far as the, as the entrance of Hamath. The Lord left them to test Israel to determine if they would keep the Lord's command he had given their fathers through Moses. But they settled among the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. Now, we see a reason that God left some of these inhabitants in the land. Now, even though Israel had come in and they had, they had, it was their land, God told them in Joshua chapter 23, it tells us that they possessed all the land that God had swore to their fathers that they would possess. Even though it was their land and they were living in the land, there were still some inhabitants in the land. Now, it tells us here in chapter 3 why those inhabitants were there. God had left some so that this younger generation who had not known war would learn how to fight. So they would know what it means to go through war. So they would know what it means to trust the Lord. Now some that had come before them had obviously seen God uh, do many great things, whether it was those coming out of, uh, out of uh, 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 Egypt, coming through the, the Red Sea. There were lots of miracles we see from that point forward. And some of this younger generation may not have been part of those things. They had never fought in a war. And so we see the reason why some of these stragglers that we've seen throughout the book of Judges so far are still in the land. God left them for a purpose. They were to test the people to make sure that they were going to follow the Lord and continue to trust Him, and they were there to teach them to fight, to be ready, to be prepared. Uh, even if they 
destroyed all those and drew, and drove them out of the land, there still may be others who would come in the future who would try to attack them. So he was trying to build this young generation into a way that they were going to trust him. And so there were these few Canaanites, all of these different groups that we see listed here, a bunch of them, that are still in the land. And one thing that may not jump out, but if you do a little research, you will see that these different groups that are mentioned were all throughout the land. So they kind of covered, there were still remnants of these Canaanite people all throughout the land of Canaan. So it wasn't just in one spot, but as the Israelites were spread all throughout, so there were these little clumps of other uh, Canaanites who were there. Now they were there and God would have allowed the Israelites to overtake them and to drive them out had they have been obedient to the Lord. Everything would have worked the way it should have worked. They would have gone in and taken the land, which they did under Joshua. All the the inhabitants of the land that remained, they would have gone in, they would have driven them out, they would have had to do some fights, wouldn't have amounted to nothing. God would have delivered the enemies over to them as he did in the past if they had been obedient and all would be well. But that's not what happened. Instead, when God wanted to bless them, they failed the test. When God wanted them to drive out the inhabitants of the land, instead, they kept some of them around. And we see what happens here at the end of this last passage we read in verse 6. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, and it says, they gave their own daughters to their sons and worshipped their gods. So exactly what God had told them to do repeatedly through the first few books of the Bible. If you go back and read the laws and what God had commanded them. The one thing that he had stressed to them. Don't have any other gods before me. Be careful when you go into this land. Don't worship their gods. Don't don't intermingle with these people. Don't intermarry with these people. Run them out. Tear down their altars. Tear down their idols. Do away with those things. Why? Because God knew that he would pull them away from him. And as much as God had stressed it, what do they do? They go in, they begin to marry the daughters of the inhabitants of the land, and the Israelites begin to give their daughters to the Canaanites in the land. And so now they are, they are, they are right in amongst them. They are living like the Canaanites live, and they are not destroying their idols, but instead they are worshiping their idols. Now, the Israelites should have been a light to the rest of the world. They should have been evidence. Look at who God is. Look at His power. Look at His strength. Look at what He's done. He's delivered His people. The rinky-dink Israelites that just a little bit ago were slaves in Egypt. Look, He has delivered them to a land and drove out all their enemies. What a mighty God He is. But instead of the Israelites representing God for who He was, instead they turned from Him. Instead of living like people that could have been a light to the world to bring glory to God, instead... They live just like the rest of the world. Now, there's a good lesson in that for us because the same temptation is there for us. God wants to use us, I believe. He wants to set us apart. That's what it means to be holy, to be set apart. If we are in Jesus Christ, we are to be set apart. We are to be different. We are to be holy. We're to look different to the rest of the world so that God can use us to accomplish the things that He desires to accomplish because many times He works through us. Not anything we do, but by His power and by us being willing uh, servants submitting to Him. And here the Israelites weren't ready. They weren't ready for what was coming their way. As much as God had stressed it to them, when the test came, they failed the test. Now we don't want to be those who fail the test. 
And we're all, we're all prone to. There's none of us who are immune to the tests and the trials and the struggles and the things that may come in our life. But we don't want to be those who fail the test. We want to be those, hopefully everybody does, wants to be those who pass the test. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, he says, you fail the test. So Paul gives good instructions there. He says, look, test yourself and see. See if you're producing fruit. See if you're living in the way that God wants you to live. Compare your life and what you're doing and what's in your heart. Compare it to Scripture. Test yourself and see what you look like. Is Jesus in you? Well, if Jesus isn't in you, he says, maybe you fail the test. Now, there may be many people who have, who have walked an aisle and who have been baptized but never really have trusted in Jesus Christ. They've never really submitted to Him as Lord. And they may find, if they really search and really look, that maybe they thought, maybe they went to church, and maybe they're putting their trust in other worldly things to be their salvation. But maybe if they really begin to test themselves, they would say, boy, I failed the test. I'm not really trusting in Jesus Christ. And we need to look at ourselves. Even if we are Christians, there may be tests that we have failed before. Maybe we're aware of them, maybe we are not. But the book of Judges is a good warning for us to tell us exactly what will happen when we fail the test. Now, many of us, maybe all of us, I don't know, don't even really need the book of Judges because I would say we've probably all made some boneheaded decisions in our life, aka sins, and we have suffered some bad consequences. So even had we not even read the book of Judges, we may already understand the, the, the consequences to sin of failing the test. But what we see in Judges is the test being failed and failed and failed. But what we want to do in our life is test ourselves so that God will work on us. That we, like David, would say, all right, Lord, test me, try me. God, help me to grow so that these tests and trials that may come my way when they come, I'll breeze right through them. I won't doubt you. I won't question you. No matter how tough things get, God, help us to trust in you. Help me to trust in you with all my heart. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what he wanted the Israelites to do. He gives us a choice. That's why I think he tests us. God didn't have to give us a choice to follow him. He could have forced us to follow him. He could have forced Adam and Eve to follow him. But instead, he gave them a choice. Some people would say, well, why did God even give them the option in the garden? Well, it's a, it's a tough situation. No matter which way you answer it, if you choose not to follow God, uh, people find fault with both ways. Well, he shouldn't have even give them a choice. But if God hadn't given us a choice to follow him, then the same people would say, well, what if I don't want to follow God? He's never given me a choice. He's forcing me to follow him. And then so he gives them a choice, and then they say, well, God shouldn't have given them a choice. He should have just made it where they couldn't sin. Well, God doesn't force us to follow him. And there are tests that come, and there is a great tempter that we have in our world that's always coming to tempt us. There are things that God allows to happen in our life so that we can be tested. But those tests, I believe, that God allows us to go through are always to build us up, to draw us closer to Him, to see if we are truly His or if we are not. He's not going to force us to pass the test. He's not going to force us to trust Him. But we should trust Him. Why would we not want to trust a God who's given His only Son to die on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and washed by His blood? That's the God that we serve. That's the Savior that we serve in Jesus Christ. That is a Savior that is worthy of trusting. That is a Savior that if we trust in Him, we will pass the test on the day of judgment. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that whatever tests and trials and, and sufferings and hard times that anybody in this room or this church may be going through, dear Lord, I pray that in those things we don't give up on you. We don't question you or think that you're just uh, playing games with us, having fun at our expense, dear Lord, but we know that whatever you're allowing to happen in our life, God, is because you want us to reach out to you, to call out to you, to trust in you, dear Lord. And it's hard for us to understand that sometimes. But God, help everyone in this room to know that you love them. And everything you do is from love and for love, dear Lord. And so I pray that you give us the strength to pass those tests that come our way, no matter how trivial they may be, whether it's the AT&T calling or whether it's something far more serious, dear Lord. Whatever, whatever struggles we have, whatever trials we have, dear Lord, whatever suffering is upon us, I pray, God, that we remember that you love us and all you do is to build us up and draw us closer to you. And I pray, God, that the test in our life would do just that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.